everybody, welcome to episode 127 of For the Love of Guns. This is the podcast about the people, the products, and the priorities of the firearms culture. It's my pleasure to welcome Ari from Lone Wolf. Now, he's the marketing director for Lone Wolf, but he's also on the primary weapon system side of the house. There's two companies here. Both of them are sister companies. He sits on both, but we're going to talk about Lone Wolf, and I don't think we're done talking to Ari on this podcast. I'm sure we're going to have him back. He's an amazing guy. But before we talk to Ari, I need your help. My sponsors help me bring you the content that you're looking for, and they need your help. So go check out Falco Holsters. Falco Holsters are doing it the old-fashioned way. They're building holsters by hand, whether it's leather, Kydex, or a combination of the two. They're my holsters because of the quality. They can build a holster for any gun, every budget, without sacrificing quality. And if you use the checkout code BANSHEE, you'll save 10%. I have a link down below. Now, it's also brought to you by Ammo Squared. Well, a gun without ammo, well, it's not a very effective tool. But they're thinking about ammo a little bit different over at Ammo Squared, and I really love where they're going with this. They're thinking about ammo as an asset class. I mean, think about it. When the economy goes bad, ammo prices go up. And you can take advantage of that because you can buy ammo. They'll store it in their insured and, and environmentally controlled warehouse. They'll ship it to you when you need it, or you can sell it back to them when the price goes up. Really cool idea. Check out Ammo Squared. I have a link down below. Now, it's really time to talk to Ari. It's a great podcast. Ari is at the tail end of bronchitis, and he really powered through to pull this thing off, and I really appreciate him coming on the show. Ari, tell me about your love of guns. Hello, everybody. My name is Ari, um, also known as Aristotle Bartolome. I am the Senior Director of Marketing for both Lone Wolf Arms and Primary Weapon Systems. And that's really cool because you've, you've been in the industry for a little while, and now you've landed in, you got the rifles and the pistols well, on yeah, but... two different brands, um, which is really cool. Uh, now, yep. and, and you've been at this a full two months for, for both brands. Yes, sir. <laughs> so yep. now the, the one thing about Lone Wolf, uh, you know, we talked a little bit offline be, you know, before we started. Uh, I was a Lone Wolf dealer when I was an FFL. Lone Wolf back then is so much different than what Lone Wolf is now. I mean, we went from back then it was Lone Wolf distribution yep. to now Lone Wolf Arms, which really is kind of a, a great loop of what they of what Lone Wolf is. Because yeah, we went from this kind of I mean, you still have builder stuff there, yeah. but now we have actual guns too. We, we, we got into the more complete firearms market. Um, yeah, you know, you, you nailed it. Uh, it was one of the first products I actually bought, you know, aftermarket, you know, back when it was, you were buying most of your aftermarket stuff from like the Shaka News and, and gun shows. Yeah, you know, uh, the Lone Wolf 3.5 disconnector was probably one of the best things cooking. And, uh, yep. you know, back then I was a very avid uh, forum member on this uh, forum called Glock Talk. And, uh, you know, something that universally everyone accepted as being a very good disconnector, 
you know. Um, so yeah. Lone Wolf has been around for for quite a bit. Because I mean, that's like the first. That's the first update to a Glock is the disconnector. Yep. Everybody's going right after that disconnector to get a better trigger pull. Um, and it's so funny because you know people people would argue like you know the Glock disconnector is great, the Glock disconnector is not great, and like like this, that, and the other. And then Lone Wolf kind of just like they came they came out with that disconnector and just kind of just like lit the lit everybody on fire it with did. doing up. It did, you know, for something like ten dollars, you know, you can drastically improve um, your your carry gun, your competition gun. Uh, you know, it was one of the first brands that I think started, you know, uh, really diving into, you know, the aftermarket uh, Glock. You know, and 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 I think Glock did that a little bit too. You know, with with initially they had something called a uh, New York connector. I don't know if yeah, you the, the, yeah, the NY one. The NY1 actually um, increased, you know, the trigger pull yep. just to make it, um, you know, so to speak, safer. And so it, it, it became a hinge point where it's like, okay, so this is actually an area in which can affect the trigger characteristics of your pistol. And depending on who you talk to, you know, especially with the Glock, you have such a wide varying customer there, right? You've got the customer who is either just, hey, I don't, I want to leave perfection alone. Um, and then there's guys like me who like to tinker, like to play around with it. Um, and then there's guys that are kind of in between. Hey, I want to get some advantages where I can, but it has to be reliable, right? So um, it, it hit that middle ground really well with everybody. It's kind of funny because uh, you know, when I was 21, at, at the time I was living in, living in Maryland, the, the wonderful gun, the, the, the gun, one of the very gun-friendly states. Um, for everybody listening on the audio, yes, that is a little uh, a joke. Um, but when I was 20, 21, I went out and bought a Glock, right? Because mm -hmm. now I can own, I can own a, you know, I can personally own a pistol. I've been shooting since I was seven, but now I can actually own a pistol. And it was a Gen 2 Glock 17. And I was in that camp of, it's got to be stock, stock or nothing. And then, you know, in, in the little Tupperware was this weird little pamphlet about GSSF and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Finally, I went, okay, let me join. Let me go. Let me try competition. Because, you know, back then I'm thinking competition shooting is like Bianchi Cup, right? And that, yeah, that's yeah. just big. So then I got, um, yeah, I cut my teeth on GSSF. And then that, then along came, you know, U, uh, uh, IPSC and USPSA. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm hooked. And now I'm still like in that stock class. But then I'm like, what can I do more to my pistol, right? Because now, now I got the now I got the buck, um, and that's when I started. started calling, you know. Yeah. But that's when I was like, okay, um, you know, I had I had some work done to the um, the extractor because I was having one of the problems I had with was reloads. Um, my gun was a headhunter, so the shells were coming right back and hitting you right in, right in the head. Um, they worked on it. Said now there's a little work on the ejector, a little work on the extractor, and and then well, now I just build. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, interesting. I mean, enough, the, the very early days, um, not a lot of these parts were just directly drop in. You oh. know, I, I when I first started making modifications to my Glock, you know, especially for USPSA, you know, I started shooting in 2003, 2004, some competition and. You know, nothing you you have to either know how to do it yourself, find that information online or have a buddy that knows how to do it. I had a little yeah. bit of combination of, of both. 
and I've certainly smoked a couple of barrels just being, you know, a little too aggressive with getting that, you know, engagement with the uh, slide. You know, and back then they didn't have aftermarket slides. So we were doing all these things to our Glock, our stock Glock, you know, slides. And, you know, I would buy barrels from Stormlake. I'd buy barrels oh, yeah. from KKM. And they, they all said, like, this is not a drop-in barrel. And, and nothing really was back then. Everything was, you know, still in this very early stages of, of end user education training, the resources that we have from social media and YouTube were not around yet, you know? So it was either you knew or you didn't know. Um, yes. So thankfully for me, I had a, a good group of guys here locally that I shot with that also, you know, because of that, you know, lack of education, you know, it, it, they were forced to, to teach themselves. And so I was kind of that 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 part of that group. Well, it's kind of funny. So the, yeah, the banner below here is uh, Freedom Crew Universe. That's a bunch of those of us on YouTube that well, we kind of got kicked off YouTube for that content. <laughs> um, yeah. So we just kind of like okay, we're just band together. We just create our own thing. Um, yeah. But and that's the stuff I, I you know I really love doing. And you know even though. And we'll get to the the dawn and the dusk in a little bit here. But even yes. though you have, you know, you're it's going towards you know the the dusk is your you know Glock 19 frame. We can still get all of our parts to do our builds right off a of lone wolf, just like we've always have been able to do. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's we that that's our core. That's that's the core consumer that we have. You know, the guy who likes to you know do some upgrades. To his gun, um, you know, and loves to tinker, uh, lo loves to build off of the stock lock. But certainly, we've had that crossover where people are like, "Well, I don't want anything that says Glock on my gun now. I, I want to go full aftermarket." You know, um, and you know, Gaston left us a lot of meat on the bone in terms of opportunity for, to yes. help improve that platform. You know, how to get getting the grip angle. You know just right yeah. you know um getting the texture on our on our on our frames just right getting the uh, undercut so that you can get a higher purchase on the gun i, I mean it's really you really have to really understand yourself as a shooter to understand and really feel you know the value of some of these upgrades you know the higher beaver tail you know i i started shooting with a glock you know just like you gen 2 glock 17 Back then, the beaver tail was almost non-existent. You had this, yes. and all the frequent Glock shooters had this thing called the Glock cut, you know, on their hand because we would get so high up on there, the, the slide would would rub, and it, at first, you know, it hurt, you know, but eventually it just became a part of it. Yeah, yeah, you just got used to it. Big meaty hands too, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still got you know scars on my thumb to, to yeah. show that, but. Yeah, it was an easy gun to it. It was a it, a great in between gun, right? Because in competition, you either had even back then, you know, a four thousand dollar STI pistol, or you had a Glock, you know, yep. or you had a nineteen eleven. Um, and then there's yep. a couple of wild guys that like to shoot revolver, but um, you know, for the most part, they made up a big part of it, and it was very easy to get into the sport that way because it's a five hundred dollar investment. You know, it's something that you could also use as a carry gun and so you had some value in that yeah and that's what that was the, what was so great about that is it, it it can go from nightstand to your hip yeah to competition yeah. i mean yeah you could do modifications but you could do it stock too i mean it, yeah. it was going to perform uh and that was that was one of my big draws to glock back then was you know when 
when I learned how to shoot a pistol, I, sh I learned on a Smith & Wesson 41, 22 caliber. Um, from there, I went to a Smith & Wesson uh, 59, nine millimeter, and you know, heavy, heavy as crap. Um, I, had, I had the same one. It would it would feed empties though. It was a, yeah, it was it was, a great handgun. It was. Every cop had it on his hip, and that that to me was yeah. like, yeah, that's good enough for me, right? So, it, and then you get into you know, you start thinking because I remember when I brought that Glock home, my father's like, why the hell did you buy this gun? Right. And he's like, what did you do? And, you know, like, and I'm like, it's what I want. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's like, it's plastic. And, yeah. you know, and then what's so funny was a year later, my mom and my dad both owned Glocks. Yeah. <laughs> funny how things, uh, how things work. Right. You know, yeah, it, it's, it's so funny how that, that is. And then it's just like, and then we were all competing together, you know, which makes it even better, you know. It's, yeah. it's, shooting is like one of those things that if you don't do, you're going to lose. So, and, and then you know, you start getting, like I said, you, I start getting to the modification. But it wasn't until really Lone Wolf when I realized you could build a Glock without one Glock part. With a single Glock. Piece. That, that was the that was my my whole draw. The Lone Wolf back then was is like I can do a Glock without one Glock part. Single Glock part, and and every piece of it would be an improvement over the OEM. Yeah, you know, in in many regards, like I said, they they left us a lot of meat on the bone in terms of, you know, what we wanted, you know. But it was, yeah. I mean, I remember when Glocks really first started coming out in the market. Um, it was a very revolutionary platform. I don't know if you recall the movie where they used to, they used to the myth of the Glock being able to be metal detector, like you. Could oh have, yeah. I remember. <laughs> all that stuff yeah i was like so, i remember them talking about that and i'm like but there's bullets in there there's a metal slide there's a yeah, back, there's no it, it didn't make any sense that's that was pure hollywood mumbo jumbo yeah. you know but i remember even back then when people had glocks they're like "Ooh, you can get through metal detectors it's like not really because i mean that was a whole thing in congress back back in the 80s yeah 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 that, that was, was a serious debate in congress these plastic guns these plastic guns, and then they had the cop killer bullets. Yep, yeah, yeah. bullets. Those. <laughs> so, now going forward, so, you know, we go from Lone Wolf where we could build our own guns. Let's talk a little bit about the Dusk. So now yeah. we come all the way around from being a, part, a parts company, which we can still do, but now we got a gun. It's an actual serialized gun. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I got I've got one here. So I've got a couple here. So this is our new dust uh, pistol. We started off with the 19 model. Obviously, it's one of the more popular um, sold uh, models for Glock because it's a it's a good compact carry. Well, and and but was still handle like a like a um, you know range gun should. You know, um, the smaller you get, the harder it actually is to to handle a pistol. So. Even yeah. when I was behind the counter, I, I would never try to guide um, anyone's wife or, or someone who's new um, who hasn't developed the muscle strength for guns into a small frame. But anyways, right. yeah, go ahead. I was just agreeing with you because that, that's the problem. Um, that's the problem I had with an FFL. I get a lot of people that were like their first gun. Like I, I'm going for my first gun. It's like, you, you look at the decisions they're making, like that's probably not your best choice there. 
yes. right? Um, like, you know, I grew up on full-size frames. It took a while for me to get, like, you know, I went from Glock, I went from Glock to six. Mm. Um, because, well, we were talking offline, uh, my industry carpal tunnel becomes a thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my hands are not as strong. So, and I, I had conformed to my Glock. I needed a pistol that can really kind of have better ergonomics, which is why I went to the SIG. But then getting used to that double action, single action again sucked. Um, that was very difficult. I, I, you know, I went to a Glock 22, uh, not, not Glock 22, a SIG 229. So I went to a, like a really heavy gun. Yeah. Um, and I would find myself burning off the first round just, just uh, to get to, just to, get to that second trigger. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's powerful. the thing was, is I, you know, I still have that SIG 229 today. I, I mean, I can't can't tell you last time it's been fired, but but that was my first time going into a compact, and that was different, right? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So, it's, like I said, kind of is a sweet spot in terms of like carry itself, as well as still being able to fire it effectively in a manner that you know um, you, you could shoot faster, you could you know shoot a lot more flatter. Um, you know, and it's something that I, I better understood when it, once I got into competition, you know, cause right. you know, like I said, I, I, I brought a compact and I was like, Oh, how come my gun is not shooting as flat as his? How come my splits are, are not as, as good as his. Yep. And then I started getting into the 17 L's, the 34. So I was like, wow, weight is my friend. You know, yeah. it may not be your friend when you're carrying it 24 seven, but, um, when it's actually recoiling in your hand and you're, you're driving that gun. Uh, it really does help. It really does help, yeah. you know, and, and it doesn't matter. I, I, I think it's the, 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 um, where people think, you know, the bigger the gun, the bigger the recoil, because they're used to seeing the yeah. dirty gun, right? Make my day. They got this yeah. big old, uh, seven, seven inch, uh, Colt. Um, but it's the really not fireball the coming out of it. And yeah. yeah. And, and, and people believe that you, you got a small gun, maybe it's going to be a, a small recoil, which, yeah. Which that's not how physics work, you know. It's just at the end of the day, when you're not able to minimize uh, the recoil based on you know properly applying, you know, getting all your fingers on the gun and 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 getting enough leverage and getting enough surface area to create drag for the recoil to occur, you're not you're going to find even 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 guys with with more stronger hands or gals with stronger hands can find it more difficult to shoot, you know. Um, and, and sure, I, there's some guns out there you could shoot well, but there's you, there's no way it's going to outperform a full size, right? right? So, so so going back to the dust. So now we have a, a cut, you know, I say cut down gun because I'm used to a full size. Um, let me bring your web page up here real quick. Yeah. So this is the dusk. Yes. So the thing is, is um, where I'm looking at here, the trigger guard, we have the undercut. Yes. Which, yes. Which Glock totally missed the boat on. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So for every, everybody watching, there's this is the undercut. For everybody in the audio side, I'm sorry, um, but it just basically you cut up a little higher on the grip. Yeah. So that kind of helps, especially like people with me with big hands. Yes. Yes. Get, definitely. You know, get my big meaty hands up there. Plus, for everybody that has regular size hands, um, it helps them control the gun better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I've always taught, and I was a safety director for my range for a long time, um, and I've always tried to teach people, you know, when you're grabbing a gun, get as high of a purchase or a high of a grip into the gun as possible. Now, when you have 
this area that's not undercut. Obviously, your hand, um, your fingers, most mo most importantly, uh, is is further down on the gun. Now, this is the area that recoils, right? So it's it's like a big L. So the 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 lower you hold this, the less leverage that you have for this to flip. Uh, whereas if you get a really high purchase on the gun like that, um, because of the undercutting, um, you know, you're able to help mitigate some of that recoil much better versus, you know, having a, a low grip. And, you know, you see a lot of people do the, the you know, teacup. And yeah, and that's the reason why, you know, it's, it's difficult for them, you know, to to uh, mitigate that, that recoil. It really just comes down to proper technique. But um, at the end of the day, knowing and understanding, you know, how, how could I improve that technique, you know, on, on, on gear. And this was something too, you know, um, back in the early 2000s, we were already doing to our guns in the competition space. Yeah. We were already, you know, filing this area down. And then when I call it, when I call it a double undercut, it's really the second area right here in which your support hand sits underneath. And that, yes. and so this is, if you'll notice the area here is also thinned up a little bit. So this is your yep. first undercut and that's your, 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 master grip or your firing hand grip and then your support hand gets gets underneath here and when you're able to get that nice high secure uh connection you know the better it's going to be to help drive the gun to help you know keep the recoil down um you know it's funny because people always say oh it's nine millimeter um it's there's not much but, recoil. you're right yeah but i always want more it's like saying yeah, exactly. you, know, I got paid. you got a hundred dollars in your bank account you would, what do you need a thousand for um <laughs> We're Americans. We always want more. So if I can have more control on my gun, which, you know, the difference could be, you know, a, a 0.25 split to a 0.116 split. It yeah. sounds like numbers, but at the end of the day, when you start doing these drills and you start understanding the virtues of like, all right, that may be, that only saved me a tenth of a second here, but I've got seven targets. You know, we start yeah. talking about hit factor and you start thinking about things like, I understand now. I understand now. I don't, no matter how strong i am you know these the you know there's things that you need to understand and the reasoning it's like it's just like you know you and i we come back we come from a it background it's all about numbers yes. right it doesn't it's seem reasonable for for one target sure you're right um so, when we're talking about shooting a lot and shooting dynamically on the move it makes a big difference well i mean if we so just taking a slight technology stance to that you're talking about splits and there's people out here who are not competition shooters oh yeah well, let me put it this way when you go to a web page, and if it takes a quarter second longer to load than normal, that's what he's talking about right there. You know, I mean, people get so frustrated over a quarter of a second on a web page. Um, yeah, can you imagine if, if your life is on the line or your score is on the line, so to speak? Right? Yeah, exactly. And oh. that's where the other way I was going is when we're talking about you know, protecting ourselves in a, in a personal protection thing, fractions of a second matter. Absolutely. So and that's what we're talking about here is getting that control. I mean, I, I've been shooting since I was seven. I didn't truly learn how to shoot until I was probably 22, 23. Right. Yeah, um, that's really... when I started learning about technique and it goes, because, you know, it, it was great that I got knowledge transferred down to me by my father and stuff like that. But it real in reality, he was learning too. Um, and then now we start learning about this. You know, as I go into, 
well, I, I guess, you know, I'm in my middle age. Um, these are the things I look at now. It's like, okay, does a gun have an undercut? I mean, I have um, one of my carry guns is my 365. Um, I have my 365 and my 365XL. And, you know, okay, they kind of gave me an, uh, an undercut. They cheated a little bit on the second undercut because they didn't really give me an undercut. They gave me a slant. Um, so uh, they kind of cheated, but it's it had some features that, that yeah. I liked about it. But it's still, if I were to design a gun, it would it would have a tr you know a true undercut like this. Yeah, this yeah, would yeah. have a deeper undercut, especially being a, a small gun, and I would have a true second uh, undercut to get my hand because. That, those are the things that I'm looking for as a shooter. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's kind and of the difference also, between us being an aftermarket part, party and like yeah. maybe SIG. You know, SIG will go after that bulk of that end user. Yes. And that bulk of the end user does not understand that. They don't have the education or the training, right. you know, sometimes. I'm not saying in general. Um, and this is just, this is across the board for all pistol purchasers you know not everybody is gonna know and understand some of the things that we geek out on um so you know for them to place value in that knowing that they're targeting a bigger market i can see where they don't see the value in that but for us people come to us afterwards after they want to improve the platform or because they are now interested in going into um that aftermarket you know field so you know it our focus is for that more educated user for that you know, after the 22 year old guy who's like, all right, I'm, I'm putting it together. I'm actually, you know, um, figuring things out, you know, and, and so that's, that's where we excel at. So, and that's the, and that's the important thing is really, I mean, there was an aftermarket, there, there was an aftermarket, you know, there was, an, there was an aftermarket market for guns yeah. before, but then Glock really drove the aftermarket. I mean, oh yeah, it's a great gun. Like you said, they left a lot on the table, and that aftermarket just came right in yeah. and took it over. Um, it, was, it was the model which you know, in fact, Rainier was built off of. You know, it's it's again, yeah. you know, we we are, we really keyed in on that end user who is looking to get more, right? Yeah, um, and certainly it's not the largest segment, but there it was a growing segment. Um, and we, we saw that in Glock Talk and, and people were doing all these, you know, it, and for, for me and, and for a lot of people, they bought it because of the aftermarket support, because there's so many different trigger options, because there's so many different slide cut options. And, and it really, you know, you can see the difference between like, say that and the FN 509. 509 yeah. at some point started to get, you know, some aftermarket support, but it, it took a while to get going. And so, you know, you didn't see adoption there nearly as high as what you would see in, you know, in the model brands of Glock, you know, the 19s and 17s because of that aftermarket support. And, you know, there was times even when we were, when I was working with newer platforms in my role at Rainier, where I would try to, you know, fan the flames on, you know, some of my partners to try to help support, you know, these, these platforms, you know, um, you know, to get. And, it, and it's a it's something that raised all ships, right? You know, it's um, because there's more support, there's more need and want for that platform, right? And some some did better than others, but I think people are figuring that out. Well, if we think about it, um, Lenny McGill after his competition days, that's 
Glock store. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. His his entire career after after dealing with all the all the shooting was I'm going to sell parts for Glocks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and where he did really well, Lenny, is um, being able to explain it. His education, yes. his his videos. You know, he's I've always actually quoted him in 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 a lot of the things that he's done and you know in in that success. And I've I've tried to you know find parallels and how he's done that, you know, because, you know, he's done that. He's been very successful at that because he, he makes more videos than anyone I know out there in terms of like yeah. education, right? He explains it to you. It's not just super textbook. It's like, listen, this is how you do it. This is how you drop it in. This is why you want to do this. And and, and that's really where, where, where the rubber meets the road for us, you know, aftermarket sellers. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's the greatest thing now is that we have such a, an aftermarket. There's so many aftermarket parts. The problem is, is now is finding the quality aftermarket parts, yep. right? Because there's the eBay stores out there. Um, there's, you know, you, sometimes you just don't know really what you're getting. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. there, there's some videos out there about um, fraud, uh, not fraud. Well, yeah, it, I guess we can say fraud, fraud fraudulent Glock parts, OEM parts. Oh yeah. 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 It's right. Because of where this is being manufactured from, they, I mean, you know, it's, it's quite easy uh, for somebody, especially, I mean, it, it, and this is something I've dealt with a lot, you know, in my, in my career where um, people's IPs get stolen. Some of our IPs have been stolen. We, we, I remember when we first went to IWA, um, which is the international uh, trade show. That's, that's basically a shot show for Europe. Yeah. It's basically a shot show for Europe. When we first arrived there, um, it blew my mind how many of our IP was stolen, you know, like our charging handles, our, our upper receivers, even, even like the packaging. It's like, and there, we, I, we would introduce ourselves and, and they're like, who are you? We're like, hi, I'm the, the guy that you're copying yeah. from Rainier Arms. So like, oh, wow. And, you know, it's, it, they have, you know, they'll cloak it under the, the guise of it being a, uh, a airsoft weapon, you know? So yeah, there, there's a lot of those. And, so I always encourage people, you know, support your your mom paws, you know, go, go out to those shops. These these are guys that are set up properly. If you get something from Alibaba, eBay, I mean, you get what you pay for. You know, like there's no there's no secret sauce here. It's not like, oh, they're going to sell it cheaper for the other. The only reason they're able to sell it that cheap is because they're not an authorized dealer. Okay, big difference. Yeah. So, so they'll, get like, that, uh, they'll get that support. You know, I've I've had people try to return uh, parts through through us. It's like, well, it's your product. It's like, where did you buy this from? You yeah. know, because this is, this is way far off. This is, you know, um, not something that we, you know, it, yeah, it has my logo. It has my name on it, but you didn't. And come to find out it was something that they bought off eBay for, you know, $25. It's like, this is a $90 charging handle. Yeah. We don't, we'll never sell it for that price. Yeah. You went through that. I'll give you a code to buy a real legitimate one. Uh, but you know, this is yeah. un unfortunately a not not real product. So, I mean, basically, it goes back to the old adage of if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Probably is. I mean, probably is. You know, yeah. For me, I I have I have dealer accounts. I know what Glock parts cost dealers. Yeah. And I would go out to eBay and I would go, I don't know how they're selling that Glock trigger for that price. Yeah, like uh, right. And I'm I'm like. Man, did they like buy somebody out that's going out of business? It's liquidating, and and then nope, it's it's all fraud. 
it's all it's all fake parts. It it really is not terribly difficult to go and find, and uh, you know, and and I know this because I I used to, you know, work in a little bit of the tool side of things where you can go to Taiwan and you could give them a widget and go, you know, and as long as the numbers are there for them to support it, they'll make it exactly as you want it. You know, yeah. um, you get your 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 down payment, you pay it. You know, like it's it's not terribly difficult for them to recreate things and because you know they're not really going to get in trouble you know it's opportunity for them no, what, what, what are you going to do to them they're in another yeah. country halfway around the world they're they're going to change their name they're going to change their dba that's how it is it's, it's really not worth chasing we've done we've done that swung and miss on those um you know and at the end of the day he's also going to take that and sell it to another customer so yep. you know it's it's you know it's it's not terribly difficult to do um you know so but it really hurts, we got on, hurts the market now we know. got on this whole tangent of art of fake parts and stuff yep back yep. to the back to the dusk um the the one thing that's really cool about the dust let me let me bring the dust back up so um is one of the one of the problems we have with gloss as great as they are they were late to the game on optics right i mean that's the greatest thing that that's why we went to aftermarket slides other than yeah. hey this is a really cool looking slide i gotta put a red dot on it too yep so, so that, that that was a big thing i mean glock did start doing it a little bit later but you know we've got you know a host of different you know red dots you can go with in fact i've got you know three different ones that i'm i've been testing out myself so you, we've got the rmr our our slides use the rmr footprint which is I think you know the, the more pretty much a standard, now, yeah. right? So there's a standard RMR, but I got another one that I got from this company um, called ZeroTech. Same thing, RMR cut looks really good, stays really low. I could still use my site system on there, um, and then I got another one here. My friends over at um, Swamp Fox, you know, again RMR, but you know, you got you've got some options there. You know, it, you know, there's. Obviously, from high to low, you know, you're you're looking at anything from four hundred dollars to, you know, two hundred dollars. Um, and you know, I found that you know, depending on what your application is, if it's going to be, you know, just going to the range, you know, it's you don't necessarily need to drop the coin. Um, but you know, for me, like at the end of the day, I'm one of those guys who just likes to get the the you know what's the the best out there, you know, so to speak, or what's a more proven platform out there. So I've, I've always kind of stuck with the RMR, but, you know, definitely there's some, some great companies out there now that are helping raise that bar, um, you know, yeah. so, and, and still, I mean, and it's still it's, offer a great value proposition. So. And that's the thing about, I mean, oh, the electro market, the electro, you know, site market is, is on fire. Yeah. Right. I mean, so much that we have, you know, we have lawsuits between companies <laughs> over over things, right? Um, but there's a lot of that. Yeah, so that's kind of the thing, and and, and I love what you're talking about. You you standard on the arm, uh, you standardized on the RMR footprint footprint. So this is well, we'll say this was my competition gun. There, that's a whole story behind it. Uh, um, I haven't replaced it yet. So. For me, I, I shoot a SIG uh, P3, uh, P320X5, okay? And SIG's got their whole damn footprint, 
right? And I had to put an adapter plate on my P320 to mount, well, basically anybody else's thread tie. Yeah, yeah. Um, which now raises my sight, which yep. um, uh, in, in people might not think about. It. I mean, I'm looking at this, what's that? Probably, I mean, it raised it probably about maybe two eighths of an inch. Yep. But it is amazing. Now my head is up a, and it doesn't sound like that much, but trust me, when you are getting used to red dots and you, you, you go down the hole chasing the red dot thing, trying to go, where the hell is that thing? It's well, amazing it, how much an eighth of an inch will do. It, it, it changes quite a bit. It, 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 may, it probably matters more for guys like, you know, like us that, that will shoot their pistols out to 100 or 50 yards because, yeah. you know, the holdover on, on the barrel, you know, the barrel, line, the barrel sight and the line sight, the higher you get that up, you know, the more of that, you know, you have to kind of compensate for with holdovers and hold unders, you know. So ideally, you know, and, and, and this is even with hunting, hunting optics, the, they want to get it as low, you know, as closer to the bore as possible. So, you're you're right. It, it makes it difficult because there's actual machining and engineering that has to occur in order for that to 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 work properly you know uh in the system and and our trigicon's got it nailed i mean there it's about yeah. as low as you could possibly get you know on there and still be very reliable and i i hate fooling with plates you know i always got i'm always i'm that guy who probably takes an hour to mount an optic because i you know there's just all these connection points and increasing the connection point to me is just an opportunity to introduce more failure points yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Because now I've got, I mean, you think about it, I've got screws holding down this plate, and now I got my optic mounted to that. So if this red dot com comes off zero, right? Could be any of those. Is it a problem? Is it a problem with the red dot? Is it a problem with the screws to the red dot to the plate, or is it a problem with the plate? Yep. Yep. My so, troubleshooting just fine. became that much harder. And it, so, yeah, you know, we don't want to have to force our customers to do that, you know. So, um, in a day, plates is uh, definitely a no go for me. I, I, I don't like how, if, if it doesn't fit as it should, then I need to find something that does. So, yeah. Yeah. And then that's just kind of the mindset I've had. And, you know, I, you know, again, um, coming back to it being reliable, there's variables and things that I know that will you know um move the wheel in terms of like making it you know get having opportunities for it to fail like i i try to keep it simple you know uh, in, in my game guns i i you know things that i don't need i will not have on there you know i yeah you're you're stripping it down for a purpose i mean yeah exactly it's, 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 like, it's like racing a car we're yeah. not going to have air conditioning in a race car yeah we don't we don't need passenger seats we don't need rear seats nope. it's just added weight and it's the same, same, you know, uh, theory that we have, you know, in racing guns. I, I even shave off the the slide release because I don't, you know, in my 2011s they don't go to slide lock, and you know, people are like, why do you do that? I said because if I go to slide lock, something's in trouble, right? <laughs> I, I will usually do a tactical reload or whatever, but it's also yeah. another opportunity for me to accidentally, you know, push up, push up on that and lock the slide up or delay the slide, you know. Um, so you know, there's some things I, I just do without you know and and e yeah. i've got even more tricks with my ars where i just really dumb it down people are like wow you taking that out yeah i don't i don't need that um i've got my fighting gun you know i've got my you know stay alive gun but you know when it comes to racing and and doing stuff like that i try to minimize all our opportunities to fail now 
one thing that's really cool about the Dawn is the trigger on that. Yep. Yep. We, we now have a flat trigger. Yep. But on top of that, it also has a reduced trigger pull to it as well. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so, that's number one thing I think most people change is that trigger system. And, uh, you yeah. know, um, Trend's been that, that flat trigger because, you know, again, you're not really defaulting to a particular location in the trigger face itself. Depending on your hand size may dictate that you want to have a higher, you know, uh, pivot point or, or, or trigger press point um, and or a lower trigger press point, you know. And so a lot better. It's a little more responsive, you know, for most end users. So, and, and that's the thing. It took me a while to get used to flat triggers, but now that I'm used to flat triggers, um, like when I, it, uh, sometimes I carry my P220, which has a curved trigger. Yeah. And, you know, I've got to practice with the gun before I carry it for a little bit just to yeah. you know, reacquaint re re that muscle memory. And damn, is it suck going back to a curved trigger after you're used to the flat. <laughs> um, it sure does. It sure does. I mean, even then, like, so my, you know, my 360 has a curved, or my 365 has a curved trigger, and yep. my 365 XL has a flat. And it's just, just switching between those two guns between winter and summer sucks, right? Yeah. So it's like, we just need to go to flat triggers and just get rid of these <laughs> curved triggers. Yeah, I don't think I have any more curved triggers. Like, almost every single one of my guns... Uh, I, I, my buckmark has a curved trigger. My, uh, my revolvers have curved triggers, but you know, my game guns, you know, um, all have pretty much flat triggers. My pistols, my, my ARs, they're all, yeah, it's to, to, for us, the importance is consistency, right? It's just yeah. because you make that investment in the training for, for this particular feel, like you want to keep that consistent with all of, you know, the guns that matter. So, you know, it's, that's something that I do, you know, almost immediately when I get, get a new gun, it's, it's sights, triggers, you know, and yeah. more magazines, as many magazines as I can get. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess I, it, magazines were always a big thing for me. I just remember back in the nineties when we had the whole, you know, assault weapons ban. Yeah. It's just, just go get magazines when you get a gun now. Right. Because uh, yeah. It's first of all, you're going to be shooting this, especially you know people like us. We're going to be shooting them a lot. Yeah. And if a yeah. magazine goes down, I just I just got to have a stock to keep going. But on the other side, magazines are you know after you bought, I mean, what the the price of of that gun is six hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, a magazine, even if you go with a Glock magazine, you're only talking what fifty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. 25. You, you already bought the expensive part. Yeah. And that's something also we did at, you know, at Rainier, we had a plethora of companies that um, supplied magazines. And that was another, you know, it's just, it's another key component of, of the entire system. You know, uh, the, the cheaper, the cheaper magazines obviously are, are less reliable, you know, so you spend all this fun uh, money on a gun and, and all these upgrades and then it fails at the magazine level. Right. Um, you know, and uh, and it's also what people need to understand, uh, 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 you know, one of those items that you need to change out occasionally, um, you yes. know, because uh, the feed lips start to get out of spec. The, you know, um, the, the the area where, you know, the magazine release, it's, it's starting to get worn out and is not holding yep. its place anymore. And it's like, you know, um, I, I, and I can't fault many people on this. I, I did the same thing. 
you know, I'd buy this really nice gun and, and go to the gun show and buy the, you know, the gun show magazine specials and then yes. come home and go, okay. And that's why we started numbering our magazines because we started collecting so many of them. You had to keep track of which ones were the good ones and which ones were the yes. bad ones, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I started noticing things like, all right, let me be on par and start spending the money for, for real magazines. And wow, those, those, uh, you know, stovepipes started, went away. The, <laughs> The failure to feeds went away, and uh, I could actually drop the magazine. It falls out of the gun. Amazing. So don't, you know, don't, don't out on magazines. So I'm, I'm here in Montana, and one of um, one of the instructors that I, I, I learned from was a uh, was an ex highway patrolman. And you know, when we were talking about guns, are you know saving lives, literally saving lives. It could be a lifesaver. And you know, going through his class. He's like, basically, it, it, you know, they were they were taught that if you start having a magazine that failure, they would drop it on the floor and stomp on it. They would just finish it off so they knew that was a bad magazine and it would not come back into cycle. And, and, and it's funny because you know, thinking thinking about this, I'm like, okay, I understand that in competition shooting, but damn, it's fifty bucks. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but. It's also your life too. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, my life is definitely worth fifty bucks. That's it, absolutely. You know, it's it's the same thing. It was kind of a tough pill to swallow paying a buck around for for defensive ammo. You know, and yeah. I tell people, hey, you know, you practice with other stuff. I'll 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 put a magazine or two through with my carry stuff every once in a while, just so I could, you know, get familiar and be comfortable with that recoil pulse, but. In a day, you know, it's money well spent. You know, there's yeah. there's not very many areas where it's like they're like gotchas where it's like, aha, you didn't have to spend that much on this. Um, you know, there's typically a good reason if if you understand it. You know, with defensive rounds, you want that jet that that round to open up as quickly as possible, not only to help, you know, yeah. uh, bigger holes in your assailant, but also helps prevent it from over penetrating walls, so you don't hit yeah. your daughter in the next room. So, yeah. you know, I happily pay a dollar fifty two dollars a round for good defensive ammunition and good magazines to go with the gun and a good optic. You know, it's just, you know, it, it's it's it, I've learned enough lessons from using less uh, par, you know, equipment when it matters. No. Now, the other thing with the Dawn 19. Uh, yeah, yeah. the dust 19. <laughs> I get, yeah, I'm yeah, already thinking about the dog, the dust 19. So one of the problems, like for me, like I told you, I went over to, to SIGs because of ergonomics. Um, Glocks are great. Uh, they're great guns. They run, they run all the time. I, I just never had a problem. Right. But the ergonomics are off for it. For me, it's like holding a two by four. Right. Now you guys changed your frame around a little bit to try to, Get around some of these ergonomic problems. I mean, we already yes. know about the undercut, the double undercut, but talk about that that grip angle a little bit in the back straps. Yeah, most definitely. So it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, this is something. Uh, you know, when we were shooter, when I was shooting, is one of the more difficult things to kind of um, you know get over when when first adopting a Glock pistol. So Glock use, utilizes uh, a twenty two degree grip angle. Um, you know, it's, that's a very aggressive grip angle. It requires you to really kind of just tilt your hand a little bit more forward to shoot this gun effectively. Um, a Glock 19, or I'm sorry, a 1911, it, which is what 
many of us consider to be like the holy grail of uh, of not only true. Yeah, it's like the best fit. It's like the best fitting guy. It fits everybody's hand for some reason. It, it is, yeah. you know. It, it, Browning did a, a great job with that, but you know, uh, Glock was far from that. So that was the big separation from like Glocks and 1911s, particularly not just the trigger, but you, the way the Glock, Glock uh, points. And for many first-time Glock uh, shooters, or even you know guys that have been around, they struggle with low lefts with Glocks. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. very obvious. Uh, the reason why, but with our with our new du um, uh, Dusk uh, 19 pistols, we've kind of split the difference in, in terms of like, you know, being a full on 18. So we're right around 19, 20 degrees versus the 22 degrees, which makes it a lot more neutral, makes it a lot easier to point. You know, I always tell people, um, take a gun, you know, get get a get your firing grip on there, um, point it and close your eyes. Right. And open your eyes. And you'll see where you're where you naturally point to. And most people, when they do that with Glocks, you know, tend to, you know, not point it exactly where they think they're pointing it at. Um, you know, I when I dry fire, I, I use really small targets. Um, and yeah. so it, it, you could tell a lot more how, how big of a difference that grip angle makes. So, you know, that's 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 the one, you know, really big secret sauce in our in our frames is the fact that we you know, it's it's not a full 22 degree angle. It shoots a lot more natural, feels a lot better in your hand. So it's it's one thing that I really um, enjoy doing when when I'm out in the range and I hand the pistol to somebody. I'll give them the elevator speech and then let them have it. You know, first things they typically will tell me, it's like, man, that feels really good to shoot. You know, and I and that's when I start explaining to them what they're feeling. You know, the difference in that angle grip, the difference in that you know the way that we have that rear. Um, strap cut, you know, so, um, you know, it's one of those things where it doesn't seem like a lot. Again, it's it's numbers, right? You're like, oh, what's, could two degrees really make a difference? Absolutely. When we're talking yeah. about a 25 yard target, you know, two degrees can be the difference between you hitting, you hitting your target or you sending him a, a, an unnecessary warning shot. So. Yes, <laughs> unnecessary warning shot. <laughs> I love. I am totally going to steal that from you. <laughs> How about it? We don't like doing that. I don't. I don't. I don't. There's no such thing as a fair fight, right? If you're no. in a fight, like you want to, if you're in a fair fight, you're not. You're not doing it right. So uh, yeah, was it, if, 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 and like I said, rounds are expensive. I, I can't afford to do too many warning shots. Yeah. If you're in a fair fight, you screwed up. So now we go from the dusk and then we have the dawn. So now the dawn is not a gun. It's parts for it's parts, yeah. a gun. Yeah, right? We're definitely so, starting to get our, our uh, feet wet a little bit with, uh, you know, working with different platforms like SIG. Because, I mean, let's face it, this, the 365, when the 365 came out, it caught a lot of gun manufacturers off guard. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the stack and a half that they came with in the magazine that gave us a little extra ammo. And so, but they left, like, like Glock, they left a lot yeah. on the part. I mean, that's the one thing I didn't like about this. Um, so when I was, turning in my license for, you know, I was closing down the gun business. The last two guns on my logbook, this is one of them. The other one is my 365 XL because 
I've got a di I got a license. I might as well I might as well use my dealer discounts, right? Yeah. But that's the thing about about the 365. It left a lot to be desired. You know, I yeah. know, I can't do an optics on it, but yet they figured that out for the XL for some yeah. reason. They didn't do it here. So now this is the Dawn 365 slide. Mm -hmm. So now I can put optics on it. So um which is great. And then the one thing I've noticed about it, and I have a Dawn 365 barrel in here. Um, the the lockup is better than a stock barrel and slide combination for a six. It's like, Absolutely. again, they just, they were just off. They just did not give you that feeling. I mean, it, it took me, and I'll be honest, it, it, it's, a, it's a tighter sl slide and barrel combo. When I first took this thing out, I was having a little bit of problems with it. And I'm like, hmm. But then it just ran perfect. Right. It's just like, okay, it just needed it just needed to be, be broken in. Um, and when I mean broken in, I mean like within three shots. It yeah, was yeah. it was ready to go. And it's got so much better of a lockup. I mean, yeah, that's what we always strive for when we're, you know, like back in days when we were fitting our 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 barrels, yeah. you know, and, and, and it went through the same process. But what it did is it tightened up groups. It, yeah. What it did is it certainly, you know, makes it, you know. Well, now again, I this barrel flopping around in there. Yeah, and when you're making, you know, hundreds of these, thousands of these, right, you kind of want to make sure that you're landing somewhere in the middle so that your, yeah. your customers are, you know, but at the same time, you're not, you know, necessarily increasing runtime. You know, that's when you start to lose the money on the manufacturing end. So, um, you know, again, they're kind of splitting the difference there, you know, where it's like, okay, it's going to be accurate enough, it's, but it's not going to introduce too many failures that may, you know, come back to us. So, you know, it's it's kind of a, you know, well, tolerance-wise, it's it's a wise move from a manufacturing part, when it's, especially when you're serving a larger market like that. And that's, that's the thing, talking about introducing failure. So this gun... Since I put this, I mean, I've had the Dawn 365 uh, slide for a couple months. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've got about 500 rounds through this gun, and I get the clean. I mean, that's, I'm I'm really bad about cleaning guns, right? I mean, really, it, it, I guess it goes back to the Glock. I've got somebody who to be really good at it. So yeah, you just you just run them, you just run them till they you know till they don't run anymore. Now, if I got to yes. carry this gun, it's going to get clean. But that's the thing is. My fear was is that okay, I had that like three shots took me to, to wear it in, right? And then it just worked perfect. It has worked perfect ever since. Um and that's that's the one thing I love about it. It's just it it, it became um it, it's like now I, I mean I have a Dawn 360, 365 barrel for the XL. Now I'm like, oh, damn, now I no, I gotta go out and get a 365XL slide for that yeah, thing too. Yeah. Um, just because the it just made that gun be exactly where it, what it needed to be. I mean, yep. the, I think the video was is like it's like uh, I forget what the title was, but it was something like um, you know what basically what you wanted your 360, what you want, what missed, what Sig missed at the 365. You yeah. guys fixed. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. That's again, that's where we are are there for. You know, we're we're that area of graduation for end users that want to find, you know, just a little bit more accuracy, a little bit more 
reliability a little bit you know um and you know again we're not we're, we don't need to recreate the wheel here we're not building a 365 we're looking and targeting people that want to improve that platform you know because that you know manufacturers leave opportunities for us to do so yeah and so the one thing that i've kind of noticed um it, it, I, this surprised me okay in a world full of seracote you guys went pvd code yeah um, Just, which that was that that caught me by surprise. Um, yeah. That, that, talk a little bit about about PVD. Like, what, it's not a paint. It's you know, it's a, like a treatment. It's a treatment. Uh, yeah, you you got that right. You know, it's it's something that really permeate or you know, really bites into the metal. You know, we yeah. we designed that to be um, a lot more. You know. Uh, able to take more abuse holster wear you know um that sort of thing so you know it's it's similar to like glock has that kind of finish we we have that more you know stronger yeah. finish to us our end user i think values that you know then more than just being another seracoded pretty pistol right um there's definitely some uh cool advantages you know to customizing and and working with seracote um the pvd i think is is more of a you know, something that if I were to hand down to my kids later on, I, I could expect that to be in still great shape as long as I did my part as a as an end user in, in, I mean, in keeping, and, maintaining it. And that's, yeah. the, that's the thing is this thing is wearing really well, like yeah. really well. Yeah. Um, like it's actual protection. You know, it's actually you know it's not like a topical. You know. Yeah. With Cerakote, it's not really. You know, it's just kind of sits on top of the metal. Uh, whereas yeah, even that, itself, you know, it, it, it gets fused into the metal itself. So even if you were to file it down, you'd get to layers of, of where you still have PVD in there. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing. So, you know, for me, I used to do Cerakote work as a, as a, uh, as a gunsmith mm -hmm. and, you know, understanding how Cerakote works, you have to, you have to sandblast with a certain, you know, grit of aluminum oxide in order for the Cerakote to stick to the metal because it's a paint. And that's why I love about the PVD is it's a treatment. Um, it's treatment, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like anodizing, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's a lot better than that. It just, it's, it's better like than that, right? yeah, because it's got, you know, lubricity um, properties in it that allow for, yep. you know, it's, it's designed for moving parts and, and things that will take wear and that will uh, take heat you know, um, that sort of thing. So it's it's just, I think, um, overall sets up the customer for uh, a, a weapon in which they will be able to maintain and not have to stay on top of and and, and have to, you know, uh, worry about some of the, you know, holster wear that you're going to probably go through and and just banging it around. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's something, you know, that's specific to firearms. So, um, you know, Cerakote is a is a great application. It looks great, especially when you're trying to, you know, um, it has make too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, it's a something I think started in the I believe in like the motorcycle fields and stuff, right? It, it, yeah. They started doing it in these different areas. But it, 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 you know, again, we're not talking about you know doing the barrels and all that stuff. But it's just, it's it's there. There are better finishes out there for it. I mean, we again didn't want to just be another me too. We wanted to have some reasoning behind uh, you know the, some of the choices like pvd so i mean to give you an idea so uh this bolt carrier this is for one of my uh, my 308 uh yeah. so this has got 
Cerakote, but this is Microslick. So this is like they're, they're self-lubricating and all that stuff. So yep. I'm going to go full screen so everybody can see this. Um, there's wear where it wore off. Yep. And this bolt carrier is about 500 rounds. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's, it's great as I click the wrong button, bring up the webpage again. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's great. It's a great finish, but again, at 500 rounds, I've already worn through the finish. Whereas yeah. this barrel is this barrel and slide combination is at, is at 500 rounds now. Yeah. And I can barely, I mean, I can see scuffs, but it's not like, you know, because my barrel here is is the flat, dark earth. Yep. It's not like I'm looking at shiny metal. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's when it starts to, to not be so great for the gun because, you know, that now it's, you know, moisture can get in there and other, you know, um, things that you don't want getting in there and start to cause corrosion and, and you know, things of that nature. So... Um, not only does it treat it, it really kind of permeates in the metal itself and makes it better for that type of application. So, and this is the thing, I, I, this is why I'm really excited about Lone Wolf is you guys are starting to spread out, right? I mean, it was always Glock, Glock, Glock. Now we're starting to go, so we're starting to see some SIG stuff. And that's where I'm really excited about seeing is that you we're now taking everything that we've learned in the Glock. We're starting to now go, okay, what else is out there that people want? And yeah, and we're definitely having those type of conversations in-house. Um, you know, something that we briefly touched on with my CEO and I uh, this morning. Um, you know, some of the directions in which we want to kind of take this brand to and uh, some of the evolutions of, you know, uh, going ownerships just like you, you, you know, went to from Glock to SIG and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very natural. To something else. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, you know, and as long as that something else is a, an improvement, right. To yeah. whatever you currently have. Um, and there's always going to be some, uh, you know, there's uh, the, the industry is filled with very talented people. And, you know, uh, it, when that next new great platform comes out, we're, we're there to support it. But for now, you know, it seems like, uh, majority of our end users that like to do aftermarket stuff, who so like to do stuff like that, you know, the, is, is, is in that Glock SIG crowd. But, you know, let's just say, you know, we are definitely going to broaden our horizons a bit as a brand. Um, so look out for some, you know, some things coming down the line for us this year. That's awesome. Man. And I'll tell you, so it was so funny that you're on this week. Last week's episode was with Dustin Sanchez from Real Avid. And, oh, yes. um, What's funny is in, in the speed round at the end, he let it leak that his carry gun is a dusk. All right. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And, he, and he's, That's a, he's, he's a competition shooter. I mean, he shoots yeah, yeah. Uh, in his pistol, he shoots 20, uh, you know, 2011s, but his carry gun is a dusk. And it, it, it threw me off. Right. And I'm like, not that it was a surprise. It's just like, I didn't see that coming from Dustin. And, uh, you know, I laughed and he was like, what's going on? I go, well, it's so funny that you brought that up because um, Ari from Lone Wolf's going to be on next week. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a really weird timing. But people it, really it, it sounds crazy, but at the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't shock me because, like I said, you know, there are things that we have built into the gun where, you know, I sure, if I'm not doing my part in marketing and, and, and communicating that to our customers, 
they're not going to understand. But there's guys that understand. They could, like, yeah. you, there are certain people that will see something and go, I know why they did that. Yeah. And I appreciate that they did that. Um, you know, and, and so I have to explain less to those guys, uh, more so than, you know, some of these other end users, but, you know, it, it, being a gun guy, like, it, especially if you're been in competition, you will see that there is definitely, you know, little hints of brilliance here and there where it, even if I'm not around or, or my crew's not around to explain it to you, um, you know, that you'll get, and you'll understand, like everybody knows, you know, what the undercut is that's been shooting guns, even even the yep. area in which your you know um, your yeah. thumb rests and sits yeah. on that, that little shelf. Um, again, it not necessarily is just a, a place to like drive the gun, but it's a reference point. You know, for us guys who like to drive fire, we, I I know my gun has got I got a complete purchase when I my thumb sits in that area. And again, it's one of those things that uh, being a shooter, uh, being someone who has adapted the platform, has invested in 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 trying to improve that platform, um, we understand. Uh, simply by seeing it, so makes sense. He knows yeah. what he wants. He knows what he wants exactly. Um, and then you know, coming off being a twenty three eleven shooter, he's used to the nineteen eleven, you know, a, a wider nineteen eleven, but basically the grip angle. Yep. So he he found he found that sweet spot right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was the biggest that was the biggest thing for a long time was that grip angle. I remember that episode of, of uh, what was it. Um, that shooting show, two shot. Top shot. Or... Top shot. Top shot. Yeah. It was top shot because uh, he was a 1911 shooter. He was bitching about the Glock. Glock. It's so yeah, funny. Yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, man. It was about, like, it was about a half hour earlier in the podcast, we were talking about that grip angle. That episode of Top Shot was rolling through my brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, I mean, you know, and it's true. It's true. And again, uh, it's not something you'll pick up in, in, in you know, in, anywhere, yeah. but from when you when you shoot it. You know, like when I when I talk about the Glock grip, grip angle, people know, people know what we're yeah. talking about here, um, and we know that that's always been a characteristic of, of the Glock, is that very unique and aggressive grip angle, uh, which you know, um, for us is not very natural, especially for guys who are what I consider like brand lingual, or you know, where we shoot different brands. Um, yeah. You know, I'm shooting a 20, 2011 one time and. And and going back to my Glock, yeah. like it's it's just not a fun transition, um, no. having to readapt and understand you know my grip angles for those. So, you know we, we we split the difference, and I think we we found a good spot that you know addresses a concern for a for our customers that are again not your like brand new shooters. So guys that know what they're doing, that know what they like, and they know what they're after. Um, they know that having that more neutral grip means something to them. Um, because, because they're brand lingual and they're they're going through and shooting different guns, you know. And I, I don't expect that somebody to just be a complete just lone wolf fan and only own our guns. I know we 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 go after enthusiasts. We go after people who who likes to have different guns and different flavors, and um, because that's a customer that's going to most appreciate our product. Well, if you think about it, your your customers are educated customers. I mean. They're, they're, they've made the decision. They, they've done their research. They made the decision. I mean, that's, that's why I became a lone wolf dealer. Um, you know, I, I, I did research because I knew that I was buying a quality product. It was, after, you know, it was an aftermarket product, but yet it was, it, it's something that I could, because I don't want to sell a part to a, to a customer and then have to deal with a return on it. Right? Yeah. 
I lose money that way. I don't want to lose money, right? I mean, this is a capitalist society here. I'm trying to make money. Yeah. Um, so, well, anyways, we've been rolling about an hour and five minutes. Um, why don't we, uh, why don't we kind of loosen up? So everybody's been watching and listening. I have all the links down in the description below of how to get the lone wolf. It'll, and you can see these parts, but so, all right, you know, in this, in the ending here, we do a, a speed round. So it's going to be sure. four, this or that questions, And then one thinking question. Okay. So for your first, this or that question, nine millimeter or 45. Nine. For hearing protection, earplugs or earmuffs? Earplugs. 308 or 223? I'm sorry, say that again? 308 or 223? Making you choose between the AR-10 and the AR-15. <laughs> I'm gonna go 223. Okay. And let's see here, for the fourth one, um indoor or outdoor range outdoor all day yeah i, I i'm the same way I, I love my outdoor ranges yeah um, I, don't, I don't care i don't even care if it's in the rain or if it's in the snow i, I know it, it could be the sloppiest weather but i'm like i growing up as a kid i got so sick of static shooting that once yeah. you get to the outdoor ranges i don't care i'm i'm in my happy place right I'm in my happy place as well yeah <laughs> most definitely so for your thinking question, I'm going to take you to the world's largest armory. And in this armory has one of anything that has ever thrown a projectile. Anything from Dennis and Menace's slingshot all the way up to like the deck gun off the of Missouri. Now, it's already been approved by every government agency that it could ever stop this. And you being in Washington, we definitely worked hard on that one. Um, you can have one of anything. What are you walking out with? Oh, geez. All right, I'll keep this up. Uh, God, there's so many guns that have really, <laughs> have really kind of inspired me, you know, through the years. And and yeah, I I'm gonna let, let me. We'll we'll go with. Uh, We'll go with uh, Mr. Dirty Harry's uh, Colt. Um, I, I think oh, there it's you been, go. Like, yeah, that, that you was, that was the kind 44. of a, yeah, half. yeah. Nice. More so that it's just what it stood for me and what it what it kind of did for me growing up. It was it gave that you know I don't know. It, again, I got to come from that era where I grew up watching oh. Charles Bronson and yeah, and, and I, I know. So, um, that was one of the most iconic kind of guns to me growing up. You know, it's did, something did that I I, every time you see it, I, I have to pick it up. I have to shoot it. You know, I've, I've, I've I, yep. yeah, you go back to the, I know what you're thinking. Did I shoot five? Yeah, shoot yeah. <laughs> you, you definitely know you're alive, you know, when you shoot yeah. that up. It's, it's a gun that I, you know, I, I, I would shoot for fun and, 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 and all that, but it's just more or less the, what it, what it, it's just more of a timepiece gun for me. There's nothing more classic than a Smith and Wesson revolver. Yeah, the Smith and Wesson revolver. I've got, I've got a very interesting story of a, of a revolver. I'm not the biggest revolver uh, collector, or but I, it's definitely something that that you know uh, I, I see as, you know, what being one of the core guns that got me into interested into firearms in the first place. Yeah. So 
Ari, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. I, I had a great time. Thank you very much for having me on. I had a great time as well. And uh, I guess we will see each other in all, well, just under two months at SHOT Show. <laughs> it's a few weeks. It kind of hurts my, my head and my heart knowing that. But, yeah, we will, <laughs> we will be in Sin City soon enough. I really appreciate Ari coming on the show. I mean, he was a little rough. We were talking for a little bit beforehand. Uh, two of us actually have a lot of similar background. And, um, you know, bronchitis is not something to screw around with. I've had it a few times. And, uh, man, I really appreciate him powering through the show. It was great talking to him. Look, definitely go check out Lone Wolf. But also check out Primary Weapon Systems. They've got some really cool stuff over there. I mean, they started off with just, like, making muzzle brakes and stuff. Now they're making ARs. And, uh, well, they're making suppressors. But they're doing suppressors a little different. They're like 3D printing suppressors out of titanium um, that are modular. They've got some really cool stuff going on over there. I've got links down below to both companies. Go check them out because, man, if, if they've come this far... Where are they going to go next? It's going to be interesting to see. Now, for the product of the podcast, it is the Smart Rod from my friends over at Real Avid. What I really like about this is it's carbon fiber, and uh, you can see the thing flex. I can really bend up some rods, and man, the carbon fiber has really saved my bacon because then I don't have to worry about bending those rods. The other thing I love about it here is the tip is actually aluminum. It's not steel, so that way when this thing's going through your barrel, you're not going to screw up your barrel. And um, the grip is pretty amazing. So we're, you, you grab this thing and you would think you'd use it like this, which you can. But when you get those really tight barrels, what you do is you flip it over and grab it this way. And what happens is, is it becomes an extension of your arm right here. So all that power goes right down your barrel. Go check this thing out, man. I have a link down below. If you're watching on YouTube, click that video right there. That video is about how you could be screwing up your gun, cleaning it the wrong way. For everybody else, there's a link down below. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. Look forward to talking to you again soon.